0: Alright, Textual Healers, I'm Mallory Smart, and I'm coming at you with a special edition episode for all those amazing humans out there who put on their headphones at a candle and stayed up till midnight to hear Taylor Swift's 10th studio album, Midnights, right there with you. And apparently C. Hoffman is too. If you don't know C. Hoffman, you're a failure at life, and you should just check out their website, cehoffman.net. Or their Twitter at C Hoffman Two. In this episode, we geek about Taylor Swift and talk about some lit stuff, but mainly Taylor Swift and her new album *Midnights*. Enjoy. Hey, how's it going? Good. I cannot believe that this actually worked. Fuck yes.
1: I know it's so awesome. I love the spontaneity of it. What gave you the idea to do
0: the podcast? Well, I had another podcast I was recording today and I had to explain to them, I'm so sorry, I'm exhausted. I stayed up last night listening to Midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Midnight. And it was definitely someone who did not like go with that vibe and I was like, shit, I want to talk about Midnight's with somebody.
1: (laughs) That's so awesome. I especially love the poignancy of you listening to the album At Night right because it's it's almost like an album for insomniacs i feel
0: oh definitely i mean i i was waiting for actually midnight cst and then like at 11 p.m my niece messaged me and she's like it's up and i was like oh my god yes i'll listen to it (laughs) and like 45 minutes later she's like so what did you think (laughs)
1: Yep, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's doing a lot of what she's already been doing, but like everything, it's like every album, it's like she's almost been consistently releasing an album like every year almost, which is amazing. And it's like every time she releases something, she's taking another step down a really particular road of like musical experimentation and like real lyrical profundity, which is super impressive. Her entire story just of how she's developed as an artist and as a person is really incredible.
0: I'm going to say this is her 10th album, right? Yeah, I think so. God, it's so funny. I am not a Swifty, but like it's been shoved on me so much now where like I'm finally slowly being like, okay, I get it. She's really great. I like her. (laughs) Like I actually got my fiance a folklore sweater and everything for his birthday. (laughs) so we're, we're getting into swiftiness like we're gonna do a nice fall drive later and listen to midnights like <laughs> that's what we're gonna do that
1: sounds amazing
0: <laughs> so but no it's true yeah sorry go no, ahead no you go know, definitely this is a hype episode <laughs>
1: I mean, me too. You know, I never identified as a Swifty, of course, because of course with our age, you know, we remember Taylor Swift, you know, the country singer, and we remember the Kanye West MTV award (laughs) debacle and all of that stuff. So I was just assumed she wasn't my thing. But it's the same thing with me where I've started to listen to more and more. And it's the same thing where I'm like, oh, I get it. Like she's expanding her artistry it's like she's used all of this room this creative room and you know really this kind of creative privilege that she has and she's used it for such noble means okay like (laughs) there's this quote I love uh from this really adorable show called No Tomorrow they're talking about one of the main characters and they're like he is so fashion forward it's like he's living in the past and the future at the same time and I think that's Taylor Swift's music a lot
0: i feel like we've almost gotten to like grow up with her like we've been going through like the maturity with each album if you've noticed like she actually had like her country vibe which seems so innocent and everything and then we almost like we were angsty when she was angsty and shit with red and now i think it's like with midnights she has finally hit her 30s just like us (laughs) oh yeah definitely so I do have some questions, because these are my weird ones. One, what is your favorite album? I mean, on, song on the album? Song on the album?
1: Okay, because I was like, oh, I can, I can talk my favorite Taylor Swift album. Um, we can do and that, then, too. I mean, well, this album is now a contender for my favorite album. I will say that. And, I mean, it might be a little cliche, because I guess it's technically... I guess it's, like, the active single in a way, but, I mean, Antihero
0: really hit me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally the song I was just listening to. <laughs> I
1: just watched the music video. Oh, Did you see the yeah. music
0: video? It had Mike Birbiglia in it. Who's that? He's a comedian.
1: Oh, cool. Who does, is he uh, one of the like the sons in the funeral scene?
0: I will have to watch it again because I did not imprint okay. with this. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: worries. But I just, okay, like, when I'm first listening. But he's best friends uh, with,
0: like, Jack Antonoff. So, like, it's a whole, like, oh, bestie cool. circle thing happening.
1: <laughs> that's so cute. And that's what I love, too, is, like, her collaboration. You know, like, I love that uh, Lena Del Rey is on this album because I feel like that's really where... Taylor Swift is now with her music you know she's in this like weird synthy dream pop stuff that's in some ways it's like throwback you know to that weird (laughs) stuff you know like the summer wine type stuff of the 60s and 70s I mean even this album cover of course like it looks like a vintage record basically
0: I would say this looks like something straight out of the 80s
1: oh yeah that's see and again like like, that's what I say it's like past and future at the same time like it's like a historical almost (laughs) all of her influences and her aesthetic it's just so
0: cool so I've seen some people doing the like combinations of what they think the albums are like some people are combining like folklore and reputation and folklore and like lover what do you think Midnight's is what is it the baby of
1: I mean, for me, it is a baby of Lover, for sure. Like, kind of Lover and, like, Red, as in Taylor's version, mm-hmm. you know? But again, I just feel like, she, I feel like she just has a real focus on where she's wanting her art to go. She's a prolific artist at this point, and I do feel like everything is just building on everything. And again, like, the concept of this album, right? Like, 13 Sleepless Nights of Her Life... I mean like you say that's very much an entering your 30s kind of concept it's like this entire album is like looking back and wondering what happened what did you do wrong what did you do right where are you in relation to where you want to be
0: and there's like a hint of like self-loathing but kind of being all right with it
1: yeah Like the music video, I felt struck that really hard. You have like this one almost like victimized version of her personality. And then you have this like manic, almost embodiment of her. And then you have this giant, which I think is great because it's kind of symbolic of just the, you know, the pop icon she's become and how that doesn't fit, you know, in anyone's regular everyday life anymore. And I think there's got to inevitably be self-loathing
0: that comes with being adored, on such a mass scale, mm-hmm, I just got a question sent to me by my niece that I should ask, so cool. <laughs> this is the dumbest question I've ever heard. What person in your life would you sacrifice while listening to vigilante shit? <laughs> That's an awesome
1: question, Um, especially since, again, like we're so we're in spooky season and we're so close to Halloween. And like I was saying, like antihero, perfect song for Halloween. And for me, vigilante shit was like spoken word gone nasty Mm -hmm. or something. You know, it's so vocal. It's so lyrical. It's so rhythmic. Um, So my sacrifice. (laughs) I feel like
0: you're the first like the perfect person to ask this question because I
1: don't want to sacrifice anyone. I know it's so cliche, but... uh, (laughs) um,
0: See, we stumped you.
1: Well, it's definitely some fun shadow play, which I love, honestly. I hate saying this, but it would probably have to be like you know bullies throughout the years and i'm not just talking about like schoolyard bullies i'm talking like you know psychotic roommate type bullies you know those kinds of people and but that would be like a long sacrifice that would be a long procession of you can just <laughs> victims throw it on
0: repeat <laughs>
1: like how long is that song what is it like 3 minutes like yeah i think it's actually have
0: to... shorter it's 2 minutes and 44 seconds <laughs>
1: Yeah okay well first of all I think anyone would have to put it on repeat just for one sacrifice because I'm pretty sure sacrifices need to take longer than two minutes and 44 seconds like they kind of lose their ritual. They do. If you're not doing it for longer.
0: (laughs) Maybe you have to like listen to the whole album as like build up and then once you hit vigilante shit that's when you do the kill.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's when you dress up for revenge, for sure. Yeah, and I think, I think that is what it would have to be. Like, if I ha- wanted to go into into some vigilante shit, yeah, it would have to be people who were just, you know, shitty for no reason. And my guess is if they are shitty for no reason to me, they were shitty for no reason to a bunch of other people. So there's some vigilante element in there.
0: Would Taylor Swift approve of this situation? <laughs>
1: not like i think that she's totally like me like i think she's like an enneagram type one honestly which is such a geeky you know thing to even say but i just get that vibe because i remember in that uh, taylor swift documentary i think it was a netflix original miss americana uh, yeah yeah she talked about how she's always been so obsessed with like being good and doing the right thing. And I get that she was also tying that into, you know, patriarchal expectations of femininity and stuff, but I think that's also a personality type, which really, really resonates with me. It's like you really want to be living your ideals, and maybe a lot of that self-loathing then arises from the reality that you never can You can never fully embody your ideals.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you think of Jack Antonoff? being basically her main collaborator over the last, I'm just going to say, three albums. And they they wrote
1: most of the songs of this one together, right? Like yeah, 11, 11 out of months. 13 mm-hmm. or something? And which ones did he also write on? I don't know.
0: Um, He did basically all of Folklore. He did a lot of Evermore. Really? And I know he worked a lot on 1989.
1: Really? Wow. So he's like been with her through a lot of her recent
0: development
1: I mean and he works a lot
0: with Lana Del Rey
1: Ah, okay
0: well that makes sense happening
1: (laughs) I mean for me I think that it's just so normal and natural and healthy and I think actually vital for musicians and songwriters to collaborate you know I think in a lesser form, it's just as true with writers, you know, in our literary community, even if we're not literally collaborating, we still collaborate all the time. It's how we foster community, and that's how I think real creative revolutions are born. You know, it's from this enhancement of co-creation that those things actually take place, you know, so I think she's just as self-directed and autonomous as a singer-songwriter even if she's co-songwriting. I mean, okay, I don't know much about, like, classic rock, but I do know that lots of bands (laughs) relied on two major songwriters, Mm -hmm. you know, to really make the music happen, and it was about that fusion and that yin and yang that they offered that really made the music that we love. Like, you can't realistically do something this good alone.
0: I just keep wondering if that Cynthia sound would be there if he wasn't there. Like, I don't know if she naturally was, like, progressing towards that. Do you?
1: I think she was. Yeah? Because, you know, when you're going from, you know, the country, you know, into the angst, into the, you know, the poppier stuff, I feel like if you've been defining yourself mostly as going into, you know, dream pop and everything, I think synth pop and electro pop and like even chill hop and things like that I think that they're very natural branches it's obviously not like my main genre that I understand by any means but I think it is an intuitive self-exploration at that point I mean it would depend too I guess if he was doing co-writing on Lover because I think there's already oh, yeah, a, he did that too he did that too okay yeah because yeah, there's already a lot of that influence in there but I feel like she probably would have gotten there anyway because she does have that moody 60s and 70s element to her. And like you said too, there's a lot of tie-ins to 80s stuff. I think just from her, all of her influences, she would have gotten there or maybe at least just somewhere similar. Like, where do you think she would have gone? Like, how do you think these albums would be different? And what different direction do you think she would have gone if she hadn't been co-writing?
0: If she hadn't been co-writing, okay, so I'd have to, like, guess where she started with him. Yeah. She was going pretty poppy for a while. Mm -hmm. But then eventually she did go more folky of it. That's that's true. Yeah, kind of unplugged. Whereas he doesn't do that. He's more synth and very heavy with, like, an 80s nostalgia vibe. Mm -hmm. So I think she definitely would have gone a lot more unplugged. Yeah, that makes sense, too. I think
1: the main thing that we can definitely agree on is she wouldn't have just stayed in pop. No. You know, I think that that just would have bored her. And I think, in a way, country might have bored her as well. Or it could have just been, you know, recognizing there might have been a broader demographic available just going pop. But I think, ultimately, she's a real explorative, creative. You know, I don't think she's content just sitting still, in one genre and I mean it'll be interesting to see where her albums go next you know maybe then we'll really be able to see if this is a completely self-chosen trajectory or not.
0: I think what's fascinating on this album and maybe I could be wrong because obviously I'm not a Swifty this feels like the first album of hers that I've heard that actually really feels introspective. Mm because she really sings a lot more like about other people and events going around and breakups obviously is the cliche and yeah it seems like she's exploring like her own feelings as you said like the like late at night 3 a.m like who the fuck am I kind of like kind of self-loathing trying to figure out like where I'm going next in life.
1: Absolutely, fucking it's like an existential crisis put to music a lot and I think that We're seeing so much more of that introspection because of her age, you know, because I do think she is naturally a pretty contemplative person. But also, of course, she's just getting better and better and better at writing lyrics. And I think the better you get at that, the better you get at expressing emotions that are ultimately
0: undefinable. I would be very concerned if she wasn't getting better at writing music (laughs) because she's been at it for since she was at least 19, right? I'm pretty sure she got her
1: first song on the radio or something when she was like 14. Like she was a Maybe?
0: baby. Yeah. Like someone has definitely done like the 10 year rule or 10,000 hour rule. <laughs> she's <been laughs> yeah. She's got her,
1: her 10 million words down. And I think that's the thing too. I think it's a combination of, yeah, just that natural growth of an artist, which like you say, we should expect at this point. And also, she's in such a space of power now and she has such a dedicated fan base that I think that enables more experimentation and more exploration where she can go off the beaten path and she's not necessarily gonna get lost or fade away you know she's in yeah she's in a position of creative power where she can just do what the fuck she wants and I don't see any kind of aesthetic mistake she could make that would lose her her position
0: yeah i mean the swifty crowd is rather intimidating i'll admit that (laughs) you have noticed though that huge like shift right almost like a fucking earthquake where like over the last let's just say the pandemic on that like she seems to be so empowered and so in control of the entire process
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about it, but of course I've heard about, you know, the lawsuit and the problem with copyright ownership with her previous albums. And of course, when she was undertaking the process of re-recording them and all of that. And I think that, I mean, that's a really, really amazing symbol of, you know, female emancipation, but just creative emancipation in general. It's so easy, even if you're not contracted to a conglomerate it's still easy to let your own work somehow be owned by the whims of the market you know the trends the expectations pressure from your audience such as it is and that's what's most inspiring to me you know she kind of was in a gilded cage kind of similar to Britney Spears but she was just like no I'm not doing this you know I'm doing this my way I'm regaining my creative and personal autonomy.
0: Yeah, she definitely did a series of flexes with that where she definitely regained all of her like copyrighted like well, the Taylor versions and everything. And didn't she even do a lawsuit a guy who sexually harassed her but she only sued him for like $1? Like that I is the biggest he- flex ever.
1: <laughs> I did hear about that but I don't know the outcome of it or she, or any details. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: (laughs) Like, you know that you have power as somebody when it's like, I'm just doing this to annoy you.
1: And I just wonder, too, of course, you know, what she really represents, not just to her fan base, but to all of us. You know, I mean, she has some kind of charged archetypal power to the point where, you know, I see your post on Twitter and an hour later we're here discussing this, you know, so she... She means something to all of us. She's representing something to all of us. And I'm just wondering, like, for you personally,
0: what that is. That is an amazing, amazing question. For me, as I would say, it's maturing. It's growth. Because for a long time, I found her to be rather irritating constantly, (laughs) just the breakup songs and the weird drama going on around her. And she seemed a very privileged white girl, rather annoying. I mean, I remember at one point she even did an interview where she said that she wasn't a feminist because she likes men. And as an Mm -hmm. adult now, I was just like, holy shit, like she was just young. She had no idea Mm -hmm. what she was talking about. And she's corrected all of those missteps. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I really... Vibe with that I guess is the best way to state it I think the first album of hers that I truly really really got into was Folklore mm. but I mean if I were to say like the song of hers that like probably hit the best with me is uh, The Man in Lover oh
1: yeah amazing that one slapped
0: <laughs> and I was like so psyched when I found out that she actually like directed the music video too mm. all too well that is like a Stevie Nicks kind of power move there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't vibe to it, though, the first time it came out. Obviously, when she did the her version and extended it, it definitely slapped harder. I'm not quite sure mm-hmm.
1: why. I feel like that's the cool thing about the Taylor's version albums is we kind of actually get to see the vision underneath the highly produced product that was originally given to us, and I think you're so right. I think she is, in so many ways, just like an archetype for feminine emergence, you know, and feminine leadership coming into being like, it kind of makes me think of once Joss Whedon talked about, I know he's like, you know, didn't age well by (laughs) any means, but it's still, it's still a good quote. You know, I'm saying it consciously. Like he mentioned that his inspiration for Buffy, the vampire slayer was, he kind of wanted to, to give that, you know, dumb white blonde chick who always dies like first or second in the horror movies, uh, a chance, you know, like a second chance at life, a chance to actually be the hero, to be badass. And I feel like you have a similar alchemy that occurs in Taylor Swift's journey, you know, where it's like she could have just been, you know, just a dumb puppet on the strings. But the fact is nobody actually is that, you know, she's a human being. And, you know, thank God she realized that because I think in her embracing that, she encourages all of us to embrace it in ourselves.
0: Definitely maybe that's why the huge shift has come. Maybe a mixture of that and the Me Too movement and her lawsuit and just regaining her own self-control and everything has done something to the music. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that it's, it's that classic cyclical relationship. You know, life begets art and art begets more life. You know, and it's so true. There used to just be this pattern in the music industry, especially if a woman started at a very young age, which she did, where you would basically just be owned by your manager or your producer or your record label. And that was normalized and it was considered okay. And I think that she's really broken a bunch of karmic bonds, you know, in the industry, in her own personal life, I'm sure. And then just like in the collective consciousness of what is okay and are we comfortable I think that's a challenge for all of us it's definitely a challenge for me you know sometimes I'm just like you're you're almost like too beautiful you know like (laughs) I'm kind of like a reverse snob sometimes when it comes to beauty where I'm just like you're too beautiful for me to find you attractive (laughs) But I think there's also an intimidation factor there where it's like, are we comfortable with a woman who is this beautiful, this intelligent, this talented, but most importantly, owns all of that? And like you say, is accountable for her mistakes, is still making mistakes because she's still growing. Like, are we comfortable with the feminine as an actual dynamic entity?
0: I just recently listened to a podcast I hate to admit I don't remember the name of the podcast. (laughs) That's okay. Although if I do hit search, nope, I don't. I don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) It, It's like one of the top, like, podcasts on Spotify. I think it's, like, Caller Daddy or something. And they interviewed um, Miley Cyrus, and she actually said something that really struck a chord with me, and I'm seeing it less and less these days where, well, one, obviously her voice is very heavily changed But she's 28, 29 right now. And just the fact that almost like an athlete, pop musicians, they're almost expected like at this point to kind of be done, you know, like especially because they've been starting in their teen years. You said like Taylor was probably doing it when she was like 14. Like this is almost like her like retirement like vibes. This is supposed to be the like now you just go on and like live your golden years. But she's still at it. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like that one line from Karma, I think it is, right? Where it's something like, you know, if you're wondering why other people have faded away, yeah, ask me why so many fade, but I'm still here. And I think that is a good question to ask. Obviously, we have to account for, you know, economic and industrial privileges (laughs) and things like that as well, of course. But I do think there's some real personal resonance there where she's like, I'm not lying down I'm going to keep exploring because frankly as long as a male musician is alive he has always had permission to do that and ironically it's an opportunity most male musicians haven't really taken the ones that didn't you know die in their barf in the 70s tended to just kind of rehash their old stuff and and honestly a lot of times just kind of become a caricature you know, I'm thinking of like the Mick Jaggers and the Ozzy Osbournes, oh, you know, yeah. where you don't even really take them seriously anymore.
0: <laughs> and like, I'm very excited to see as she grows. I mean, everyone's getting excited about her new concert. That's the new tour. Obviously the Swift Fests that were announced prior to the pandemic aren't happening. Um, mm-hmm. How that'll actually like coalesce, you know, like, all of her sound will she just go with like just the singular sound that she just created with Midnight's and Folklore and Evermore or do you think that she has the power to just kind of like bring it all together
1: I would opt for presuming the latter for sure I think that that's one of the things that's so fun about either being a Swifty or just being someone who's enjoying her music is there's such a breadth and depth to explore you know and I know you mentioned like you know the first album or the first song that really hit you and I think for me it was a little further back not much but it was a getaway car which was like 20 I'm looking it up hang on 2017 and 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 that was like the first Taylor Swift song I listened to where I was like she is doing something here. Like She's doing something to the music, she's doing something to me. Uh, There was this anthology that was supposed to be Taylor Swift themed and I literally put Getaway Car on repeat for like a few hours. And I wrote this flash fiction, which was not accepted in the anthology, which really made me sad. But it was eventually accepted and published by Sage Cigarettes, which is a really, really cool magazine. So I'm glad that, you know, someone got it. I called the flash fiction Get Away From That Car. And for me, I was just, I just basically used it as like a mood chandler, where I'm like, this is the kind of vibe I want to evoke. And also, I kind of imagined like a Taylor Swift type person as this protagonist who's like kind of a little unhinged a little possessive you know really sexy and beautiful and intimidating and has this kind of hidden magic that people don't expect from her you know so like not only did that song just make me realize oh this person's a a good artist but it was such profound art that it enhanced my own you know so I have a lot to to thank her for really.
0: It seems that she enhances herself with each album and song she writes as well
1: dude exactly there's so much to explore here about the division between art and self and it does seem that she she's kind of forced to blur those lines because she's a public icon you know there's an image of her I mean we don't know her at all personally she's and we're able to have a discussion
0: job at keeping stuff private I've noticed in the last couple of years though
1: Yes, yeah, I loved that too. I think there are some songs. I think it is on Lover, where she kind of talks about that, you know, a little bit. Oh my God, I need to think and try to make sure. <laughs> oh, hang on, I need. To, I'll just look it up from the lyrics. You do you. <laughs> oh, I know, I know what it is. It's not on Lover, but the song is call it what you want. There we go. It's the same album as Getaway Car, which is funny because I had Getaway Car like up on Spotify and it didn't occur to me to just scroll to it. <laughs> but yeah, like call it what you want. Like she kind of talks about that. You know, she kind of talks about falling off of the radar. I think there's this one line that's like no one's heard from me for months where she just she just kind of got sick of all of that that drama and bullshit and the gossip and the rumors and that I think that might have been the turning point for her where she just realized like no I don't want to I don't want to just be a candy pop star I don't want to just be a celebrity you know I want to be an artist and that's a hard hard task when you're already kind of being typecast as the former
0: definitely I'm looking at getaway car right now a lot of people (laughs) they can. Um, Brian Allen Ellis, a lot of other writers kept, like, pushing reputation on me. It it is funny how different that sound is just Mm because, yeah. I really like the song, I Did Something Bad. (laughs) And it is so, like, when you actually flash forward then five years, just goddamn, totally different sound. (sighs) Not many artists would have had the permission to, like, just kind of pivot all around like that
1: exactly it's like she has that space to play but you know it kind of still does remind me of I know you and I kind of touched on uh My Chemical Romance's latest releases you know a little while back you and I were talking about that and I feel like we both kind of agreed like yeah it's a different sound but it's also kind of a trajectory we can expect from what we know and love and I for me personally listening to Midnight's I do still maintain that it it just feels like where she was headed. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's kind of fatalistic, you know,
0: so. (laughs) I think she's getting to that point, though.
1: I think so, too.
0: Like, I think she'd agree with you.
1: It's weird. We're very lucky in a way. You know, I know that things are so uncertain in this age, but I feel like we're also so lucky to be alive. It is kind of like being alive in the, you know, the roaring 20s or in the 60s because we have living icons available to us and that's a big deal
0: Mm -hmm. so by the way i would like to go quick deviate into my chemical romance i know we were talking to about uh foundations of decay i recently actually found out and maybe you already probably know this um did you know gerard way actually did see the twin towers fall Oh, wow. I did not know that. Like, he was in the city? Yeah. He was actually doing an internship for a cartoon network, and yeah, he was right there.
1: Wow. So, the majority I did not of that, that song is
0: actually just about himself. He originally wanted to make cartoons, and that's why he basically pivoted to Umbrella Academy. Obviously, not a cartoon, but yeah. similar vibe. Absolutely. So, I found that interesting. I guess it was just one of those, like, he eventually got so, like, of getting, like, kicked around and everything. He just did My Chemical Romance.
1: Wow. See, that's it's interesting, actually, to kind of bring the talk of MCR straight into Gerard Way, because, of course, you do see uh, the limits of genre a little more clearly in My Chemical Romance, because, of course, Gerard Way did go solo. You know, he had at least one solo album in, like, 2014, which I fucking love. I think it's,
0: like, not spoken about enough right
1: oh my god it's so good I have so I have like six Halloween playlists or something and there's a lot of that album on them especially like the weird playlist and the thing is is that when you look at the amazing breadth of exploration that Taylor Swift is involved in you know from album to album to album I mean Hesitant Alien could have been a My Chemical Romance album, just a more kind of experimental, a little more indie, you know, beat kind of thing to it. But again, you see that they were more corralled by genre, or at least Gerard Way was. So this was material that was different enough from their brand that he had to just release it on his own. Whereas Taylor Swift didn't have to make that distinction. She can just release album after album under her name you know because she's she's a pop star
0: yeah i would say like she's not even just a pop star anymore like taylor swift is her own Mm. genre it seems like it's becoming
1: it totally is and i'm interested to see if there's gonna be a kind of little mini movement that's inspired by her you know inspired by these synthy and dream pop elements you know and these you know the 80s 70s 60s influence yeah like it'd be so cool if we had a kind of genre pop up from that
0: I mean, I already see, like I was on TikTok earlier and damn antihero is already being used on a, as a sound <laughs> on it. Cool. But no, I definitely think already she's starting to inspire a lot of like younger people. And I think we're actually going to get a lot of artists who kind of take her sound up.
1: Well, I mean, she's being respected by critics and Although that's I important. I
0: did read one not so great review of it. Oh, where was that? Do you remember? Oh, I actually pulled it up on my phone because I was like, dick. I don't like you. (laughs) The Atlantic. Oh, interesting.
1: Okay. What did they say? Do you want to read a little bit of it? Okay, it
0: says, the album treads aggressively familiar territory. I like how they do add, but with new wisdom and confidence. So, yeah. I mean, basically, they just keep saying that, like, it's... Boring. It it didn't like give the payoff that we were all expecting. People were hoping that she would come out as pansexual or make a rumors level masterpiece. Um, but instead, there was no breakthrough, and I think that's wrong.
1: Yeah, I would agree with your disagreement there. I think this is something new. I think it's something with respect to past artists you know but again any good artist is not only building on their portfolio they're building on everyone else that's what it is to be a learned creator is recognizing that at best you're going to succeed in some really cool experimental homage and like you're saying I think that I feel like that person didn't you know wasn't as geeky as either of us and didn't (laughs) bother to like go into the same lyrical analysis that we have because like you said there's so much that she's exploring, you know, and so many implications even about like, you know, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, you know, toxic relationships. She, I found it so interesting in Antihero, isn't that where she says something about like, yeah, did you hear my covert narcissism I disguise as altruism? It's
0: my favorite lyric.
1: It's so good. And it's also kind of like, wait, what?
0: I mean that is like, so are like you implying, Aware You know Yeah Yeah,
1: yeah Exactly It's like Because that's the thing too I think she's kind of a bit of a type one You know Enneagram Because it's like We can be very judgmental And very fucking self-important And just like Yeah you should do things My way Kind of thing So it's a Hang on, um, I actually have genius lyrics up and sometimes they have that thing where you can hover and they have like interpretations Ooh. of the lyrics and they do have that line uh, with an annotation. Um Okay, I'm just going to read the whole thing. I think it says a lot of what, you know, most people already know, but whatever. It says, Narcissism is the excessive interest in or admiration of oneself. Altruism is the belief in or practice of disinterested and selfless concern for the well-being of others. Here, Swift criticizes political figures who ignore the will of the people to push their own agendas. Aware of her sway as a major public figure, Swift was notably publicly apolitical for the majority of her career. 2018 marked a major turn for Swift, who broke her political science via Instagram. That's true. Shortly before the Tennessee midterm elections to endorse Democrats, Phil, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that name, Bredson, and Jim Cooper for Senate and House of Representatives. Okay, so it seems like there is self-awareness introspection there, but it also looks like, according at least to this interpretation, it is kind of just complex metaphor. But she is at the same time... Owning that, you know, she's saying my covert narcissism, I disguise as altruism like some kind of congressman, and of course, also the multi-syllabic rhyming scheme is really fucking awesome there too.
0: I can't wait. I, I'm really hoping that they release a behind the scenes of uh, making this. I know Disney did that with uh, folklore, and mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. And I just want to see like the making of this, you know.
1: Yeah, because I love hearing her expound on her intention as well as her process. It's always, you know, and even for me, you know, I do dabble in songwriting a little bit and it's always been exciting for me. You know, when I watched Miss Americana, I loved how she was like, you know, like filling in lyrics, you know, as she goes, you know, as she's co-writing a song. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. You know, those are things that, that I do even, you know, so you can see this kind of like grassroots or like when you see that, those footage, you know, footage of her, like just playing a few lines on her piano, you know, like no makeup on just like, I need to get this down. I'm like, yeah, I hear that. Like I do that all the time, (laughs) you know, it's just a, it's special. It's special to see that, ultimately muse appears to
0: all of us in similar ways i also like the when it comes to the collaboration because she's usually sometimes doing that like in the same room as they're just listening to her do that and they'll just, like get very hyped because they'll be like that's the lyric yes right there we got it <laughs> and i feel like that's got to be like the most amazing epiphany feeling in the world and she probably just gets like hyped on this all the time like it feels know, like a funny. constant high.
1: Yeah, like, when you think of how often she releases albums, it does seem like she has, like, maybe a creative compulsion, which means that she's arguably a a genius in some form, but... I'd agree. As a non-Swifty turns sort of Swifty. (laughs) Yeah, we're (laughs) (laughs) semi-Swifties. I'm just wondering, can I read a few more lyrics from Antihero? Hell yeah. Cause I just, there are so many times, you know, with this song where I'm just like, oh fuck, (laughs) you did it. Um, Of course the opening verse, I think that one is my favorite. I have this thing where I got older, but just never wiser. Midnight's become my afternoons. When my depression works the graveyard shift, all of the people I've ghosted stand there in the room.
0: Like we could just like sit with that. For a moment just wow it,
1: it reads like a fucking like it's poetry you know what i mean it has all of the cadence of poetry
0: i guess that's what i've been noticing more like there's a bit of like narrative and so much more emotion than there was before
1: And like the, I'm sorry, the rhyming schemes. (laughs) I don't mean to get so obsessed with the rhyming schemes, but they are just so good. I should not be left to my own devices. They come with prices and vices. I end up in crisis. Like you could rap that shit, you know? (laughs) Like,
0: you know, she's going to come up with amazing remixes for this song. Mm.
1: I wonder too, you know, because... Again, like, she's so personal in this album. It does draw me a lot into my own personal process, even with music. And, you know, for me, you know, I was in a little punk band, and I've done some, like, dreamo-type stuff, but I'm actually working on a country album, and I have a rap alter ego <laughs> that, uh, you know, that'll have a release, you know, even at the end of the month. And, and it, it makes me wonder, because, of course, she's just, like, so profound in her musical abilities, like the farthest almost, you know, beyond my abilities. And, and I wonder how much like when I'm reading, you know, this, like these multi syllabic rhyming schemes and stuff, I'm like, how much has she been inspired by rap and hip hop? How much has she explored spoken word and slam poetry? Because I feel like she's the kind of person that's, again, such a hungry creator. I feel like she's the kind of person who would just like devour anything musical or rhythmic she could get her hands on, you know?
0: I mean, if you've ever seen one, obviously, with Miss Americana or any behind-the-scenes where, she, like, you see her creating, she's surrounded by bookshelves, like, wall-to-wall. That's right. And yeah. she recently actually did a podcast where she discussed that she actually really liked emo music and everything, so she definitely cool. vibes, like, the exploring all realms of music. Like, she's not just listening to, like, her style. If she was, then she would never transcend the artist as she was or is now.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's why it's so important to think of music as just a general entity of self-expression. I mean, categorizations are helpful, honestly, mostly just for fucking marketing. But as we've been acknowledging so much of her music is getting into this really beautiful, uncategorizable place And I'm sure that resonates for you a little bit, too, with your writing, because it certainly resonates with mine, where it's like, you feel so much pressure on the one hand to really brand yourself and, you know, choose a genre and stick to it, but artists like Taylor Swift remind us, you know, good art is good art, and the best art is going to be taking inspiration from anything good, regardless of what the label is.
0: And more specifically, yeah, you just don't even need to define it. Let other people define it for you. Let them take their own feelings from it
1: yeah I just wish for every artist to have that kind of space available to them you know that Taylor Swift is on the one hand it's inspirational to say just go just do it but of course for people you know like us who are emerging you know and and getting our portfolios together we do have to limit ourselves with certain definitions but i think she's a great reminder that if you stick with this long enough and you're not one of the people that fade because you just fucking love this so much there will come a time where you can just do it the way you damn well want to
0: so were there any surprises on this album for you
1: Yeah, fuck, I don't remember which song it was, but they did this vocal effect. I wonder if you already know what I'm talking about. And I feel like it was her voice uh, just, you know, put down multiple octaves. I don't remember. It was somewhere mid-album. Yeah, but I don't... Oh, oh, wait, I think I remember the lyric. I think it it was Midnight Bride. Yeah. And it was like, you know, he wanted a bride... I was making my own name, that one. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, that's the one that has this like crazy vocal distortion. And for me, that was something almost out of like, you know, trip hop or, you know, something like that. It was just so, it, to me, that part felt a little uncharacteristic. And I did wonder, you know, is that her voice? You know, and they they just messed with the octaves, put like a monster vocal on it or something like or or was that a different vocalist you know so it made me curious as well but it was
0: yeah what did you think of that (laughs) and that's why we need the behind the scenes (laughs) (laughs) but no I think it was definitely her um Mm. she's obviously demonstrated throughout other albums that she's willing to do a little bit of distortion and playing around with the way that the mic sounds with her voice
1: true yeah yeah It was weird, though. I liked it. It it was fun. It was weird. You know, like I like weird, you know, but it was certainly a surprise.
0: I would say I don't think I was let down by anything in this album. In fact, I was actually relieved because Mm -hmm. a lot of people were just like with karma and everything just being like, it's finally going to hit Kanye West, it's going to be hard. It was just such a <laughs> relief that I was just like, no, nah, she's, she's like separating herself from other people. It no longer bothers her. And I like that. I like that Karma didn't end up having that vibe. I mean, she does talk about exes sort of implying it in other songs. But yeah, I, I just felt relief with this album. Yeah, I completely agree. Even Karma, it's
1: kind of a... (laughs) I'm referencing that Enneagram thing too much, but it is kind of a type one type song where it's kind of like, sure, you take the the low road, you know? I don't fucking care. I'm happy keeping my side of the street clean. And there's like... There is a little bit of self-aggrandizement in it, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just also done with like a very honest confidence where she's not necessarily saying she's infallible, but she's just saying like, I do fucking reckon with my demons, motherfucker. Like, I am doing this work. I am working through this stuff. So it's not like she's saying, oh, yeah, my slate is completely clean. I mean, she might be. She might actually be a little narcissistic. I don't know. But for me, I interpret it more so as, like, my conscience is clear because I know I'm trying my best. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And like you say, like, I'm not... I'm rising above the bullshit. I'm not going to take... You know shots at someone just because they took a shot at me, you know again, like we're not we're not five anymore. We're not twelve anymore. We don't have to keep acting like spoiled children,
0: yeah, like she doesn't have time for other people's bullshit. She's got to deal with her own shit, you know,
1: yeah, amen. and I think that's I mean when we're talking about how this whole album almost is like a testament to growing up. You know, I think that encapsulates it so beautifully. I remember I loved this one tweet of yours a little while back where you said something like "Like 50% of growing up is figuring out, you know, what in your childhood screwed you up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember that one.
1: (laughs) And and I just, I I loved that. You know, sometimes I wish you could do more with a tweet than just like it and retweet it you know because for me I'm like I want that one on like can you just put that in a future book or something Mallory so I can put it on a poster one day
0: oh yeah definitely maybe I'll just make a poster of it for you
1: oh yeah well I mean or I could not be a lazy dick and I could just do that myself I guess (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like that's a lot what she's going through here too there's introspection there's retrospection you know, she is looking at what screwed her up. And she's, like you said, like she's recognizing that she's damaged. She's recognizing that there's self-loathing. She's recognizing that there's problems, but she's not letting that be an excuse not to keep going forward.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made Antihero so perfect for me. Fuck yeah. Like, I feel like that's why, like, Antihero is going to be the standout song on this album. I don't know where anyone else stands. I know a few people have said that they really like uh, You're On Your Own, Kid, and I, I definitely mm-hmm. like that one, too. But what do you think is a standout song?
1: Yeah, I completely agree with Antihero. I love what happens with Snow on the Beach. Like, I think that was one of the only songs I put into my, like, chill playlist. I mean, you, know, you cause can't just... not
0: do that when it's Taylor Swift right. and Lana Del Rey. I mean... <laughs>
1: Exactly. Um, You're on your own kid. Even though Anti Hero was like my favorite song, I think You're on Your Own Kid was the song that made the most emotional sense to me because I think I put it on like five different playlists or something because it's like that, right? It's like that mix of heartache and declaring your independence, which is something I'm really going through right now. Uh, Question was really cool. Of course, Vigilante shit was awesome. And yeah, Karma was i guess in some ways it was like a little thematically convoluted uh but i still i just like the positive sentiment of it this idea that karma doesn't have to be an enemy you know i really
0: did like that exactly should we mix some literary shit into this or yeah go for it (laughs) i have no idea where to go from here um what kind of books do you think taylor swift reads I feel like,
1: you know, because we often underestimate the intelligence of celebrities, and you do often find that their IQs are, like, usually well above average, and sometimes they're even, like, genius level. So I don't... And considering how busy she is, (laughs) uh, as cool as it would be if she one day, you know, read, read our books, yours and mine, you know, I feel like she probably doesn't read a lot of fiction. I could be wrong, but... You know a lot of people like that because we have to remember too. You know she's a musician; she's also a business person. You know she has so much management that she has to do. You know, and she is a, a leader not only in her own art but in the fucking industry at this point. So my guess is is that she's reading a lot of nonfiction.
0: What do you think? I'm imagining a lot of poetry. Mm. I could see a lot of short form things. I am now looking at a BuzzFeed article that says 13 amazing books that Taylor Swift has referenced or recommended.
1: Oh, that's cool. Do we think that they're...
0: Legit I, 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 or I don't know.
1: Yeah. Or if they're just endorsements, like it depends, but it's still, regardless of if they're legit or endorsements, it's interesting. Do you want to read the whole thing or just like read a few that pop out at you?
0: Yeah. It's one of the things I actually don't recognize a lot of these. That's interesting. Um, Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney
1: okay yeah yeah I did hear of it I never read it I, I tend to again do that annoying kind of reverse snobbery thing where when a book or a show or something is making a big splash I wait until the tide goes back out so I can kind of just make like an objective opinion on it instead of just being rushed up you know by the, the waves of hype you know what I mean so it is on my reading list but I've just been waiting a while still
0: I hate that the next one, it just plays into the almost ditzy blonde stereotype, but here we go. (laughs) Eat, pray, love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I could totally understand Great Gatsby. I mean, especially when you think about um, folklore with the last great American dynasty totally
1: you can I feel like you're that's hitting on something because I'm wondering too now like if she went to college what did she study in college and yeah like she could have just from the aesthetic of like the narratives it's like those you know mid early 20th century American writers you know there's totally a vibe there Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I actually see quite a few F. Scott Fitzgerald on here (laughs) so she's into it that makes total sense and then a lot of bronte in here well that
1: that fits her you know moody stuff <laughs> you
0: know? And got some sylvia plath yeah even moodier love
1: it hey i have a question because i've been thinking of this i i like fucking love the bell jar you know i think it's one of the best things you know it's right up there for me with lots of others but and to be fair i haven't read volumes and volumes of it but of what i have read i'm not a huge fan of sylvia plath's poetry and i feel like that makes me such a terrible person
0: (laughs) oh no i'm right there with you
1: sweet i just like the voice that you get you know in in the memoir it's so different
0: yeah if i were to like go for like someone with a sylvia plath kind of vibe with poetry i would almost go with like dorothy parker
1: Oh, definitely. Exactly. Dorothy Parker kind of writes poetry like you wish Sylvia Plath did. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's cool that you and I are actually on the same... Okay, like, I'm not without my lofty literary loves. I mean, I'm sure you know by this point, if we have talked about it, like, I'm obsessed with Edith Wharton, Mm -hmm. you know, and she definitely had a certain uh, loftiness, you know, without question. But for me personally, with poetry you know I'm all about punk and the beats and slam poetry like it needs to be spewing guts or I just get really bored really fast
0: Mm-hmm. I know you also just recommended that one Truman Capote book to me
1: which one was oh, it Summer Crossing Summer Crossing oh fuck
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I do have it I just haven't read it yet <laughs>
1: Yay! Oh, I'm really excited to be able to geek out with you more about that one. Because, like, again, like, I've really started to get super into Truman Capote. I even read, like, the three chapters or whatever was actually written for answered prayers. And I uh, that one was a real letdown, actually. Mm. That was one of those ones where I kind of almost regretted reading it because I felt like it kind of ruined my image, you know, (laughs) of Capote. But, you know, like... Like there are so many. Like the grass harp is is obviously like a really really high one up there for me. You know, other voices, other rooms was also very cool, and of course, like breakfast at Tiffany's is the bomb. But like, I think summer it's so crossing. Funny.
0: So many people yeah, keep yeah, forgetting that that was actually <laughs> written by him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was like, he was totally hipster before it was even a thing. Apparently, all he really did was just. Complain about the movie, you know, just like oh, they did it so wrong, kind of thing. But uh, I mean, I—I I mean, apart from the racism, I fucking love the movie too. It's just different, you know. It's like the train spotting movie versus the train spotting book. I, was I think saying, they're that's
0: both the movie that made me want a cat.
1: Exactly. I mean, I've technically named my cat after Cat in Breakfast at Tiffany's. I just, you know, named her Kitty, like a more feminized kind of version.
0: I want to say I call my cat Cat more than I call her by her actual name, which is Starbuck.
1: Oh, yeah, I saw that in a post the other day, and I was like, that's cute. (laughs) So, yeah. But, yeah, like, Summer Crossing is just... Okay, it's funny that you mentioned this because I feel like if Taylor Swift has not read Summer Crossing, she definitely should because I think there's so much of that like weird, moody, hipstery type aesthetic in it that she would just derive so much inspiration from. Like, uh, I, as you probably know too, for fun, I usually adapt, you know, books into screenplays. Maybe one day they'll get produced. It'd be very cool. Uh, but I would like Summer Crossing is on my list of you know, books that I want to adapt into a screenplay. And I think uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, you know, who's in, like, Last Night in Soho mm-hmm. and The Witch and stuff, I think she would be, like, so perfect as the main character. And and when you think of the aesthetic of Anya Taylor-Joy, like, there's a similar, there's a kind of Swiftian vibe in that, you know, she's intimidatingly like, gorgeous, she's fucking smart, she's totally autonomous,
0: you know? Thanks to the witch, which I did a podcast about on that horror cast. She's my fiance's new crush.
1: Okay, you need to link me to uh, that horror cast episode because my one friend and I, we like one of our main inside jokes is would you like the taste of butter?
0: Oh my God. It's so (laughs) fucking hilarious. I actually, for my co-host's birthday, I was able to get, I sent him coffee and I found a mug that said that.
1: Are you fucking kidding me? That's amazing! Oh my god, I need to get that and for my friends. I was just like friend. here,
0: you know, so you can have some coffee and <laughs> without. God, it was fucking. Hilarious. And now oh, every time so I great. go to petting zoos, I'm. This is so sad that I actually have to say every time I go to petting zoos. But that's cute. I can't help but be like Black Philip. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I saw that, dude. I saw that one post that you did about the, the go to the petting zoo. And I was just <laughs> laughing my ass. I think I commented, commented with like a, a gif from the witch or, or I quoted it or something because I was just like, oh yeah, I can't I can't let this opportunity pass. And seriously, I was at a petting zoo in the summer uh, in at this like festival thing we have here and the goats are totally Satan spawns. Like, do you notice that crazy bleeding that they go like, like they they sound like they're attempting human speech. And by human speech, I mean like a human
0: ritual sacrifice. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Now I personally think that they are hoping that I am a witch because like, I I wouldn't even be carrying any food or anything. They just kind of like all go to me. Like they're, (laughs) There are kids who are like, we want to feed the goats, and like, there's just a gaggle of goats just coming to my side of the fence.
1: Oh my god, I'm totally a goat person too. Maybe, yeah, we are. I think we are witches, Mallory. I mean, it's spooky season.
0: We may as well just come out now. All right, might as well. Taylor Swift, <laughs> you can join our coven. She's
1: definitely a witch.
0: I would say, I think in one of her albums, she actually had a lot of remixes where like it was like different witches like lonely witch dancing witch whatever. that's cool i'm just like you know okay. I, I i vibe it with you i'm with you <laughs>
1: actually it's funny uh this is mostly just for us you can totally delete this part if you want but i started writing some guest articles for joy zine and i did this one review for the single of katherine moore's and i titled it I suspect Catherine Moore is a witch. And it was just like this weird little like prose poem kind of thing, basically blaming witchcraft on how awesome this fucking single is. And I think we could make the same case for Taylor Swift. I think, I think we need to be suspicious that Taylor Swift is a witch.
0: Especially given the cover of this, her and that lighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She plays with fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's lighting a pyre. Hell yeah. And see, maybe my niece was going with that too. With the, who are you ah. going to sacrifice? Yeah, please
1: thank your niece for that question. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> she,
0: she had a lot of other questions because she was very excited that I was going to do this. She's like, are you really going to do this right now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> a lot of them were related to like stuff that I've never even heard of, though. You have to be a true Swifty. And I was like, I, I'm not going to ask these questions because I don't even know them.
1: Yeah, so I'm sure they would have stumped
0: me, too. Yeah, like, I just can't even, like, they are addicted. I remember around Christmas, they actually, her and her sister did their own dance routine to All Too Well. It's pretty coordinated. that's awesome. It was, like, it was confusing the hell out of everybody else except me and my (laughs) fiancé, and we were like, (laughs) okay, we get it. Aww you're a great aunt yeah I I like how I just accept it <laughs> mm-hmm. I know I'm not gonna be a parent anytime soon so the goal is to be a good aunt yeah exactly I'm you know and a I weird, think spooky witch aunt who does fucked up things
1: exactly there's nothing more cool than being like a cool weird auntie or aunt or uncle you know
0: <laughs> Exactly. Where they actually message me crappy things. Like right now, my one niece is in school and she's asking me how that podcast is going. Aww. See? They sound so sweet. Yeah. They're cool kids. <laughs> Who are monsters at times. What are you going to do? That's, that's why I'm not a parent yet. <laughs> well, and
1: that's the thing too. I mean, Taylor Swift explores that in this album. You know, that, that little monster inside of all of us. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So you said you were gonna say what your fav- favorite album was. So say oh, that. Oh yeah. I think it's hard, which shows I might be more of a Swifty
1: than I thought I
0: was. I know but, we're getting there.
1: Right? We're we're being indoctrinated into the cult. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> okay, okay, it's Black a corny Phillip answer. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> it was the butter the butter got me uh, <laughs> it's it's a corny answer but i think it is lover
0: hmm, i like that mm-hmm. i like a couple songs on there um i'm happy i'm not having a traditional wedding i was going to get married this year doing it next year now if we we're doing a traditional wedding my fiance wanted to have our first dance be to lover <laughs>
1: so a good catch dude yeah well done yeah well well done
0: I like that he's adorable (laughs) in that way
1: oh yeah I'm so sorry it's I didn't even congratulate you yet congratulations thank
0: you yeah (laughs) see it's one of those things where it's like I'm not even used to it Like even he's like a little shy about it he's like will you stop telling people and I was like (laughs) why that's cute but no, I'm sticking by Folklore. That's my new favorite.
1: No, that's fair. It's solid. I mean, that's the thing is that most of them are solid. And of course, most of them are long. So that kind of makes it for me more difficult to decide a favorite because it's like if I'm scrolling through Spotify and I'm looking at album and album, it's like, you know, most of them have a handful of songs that I really liked, but... I just really like the vibe of Lover. I like the aesthetic of it. I like the sweetness and sadness and you know like saccharine fucked upness of it. <laughs> you know? I, I really really like all of that.
0: Do you but listen to vinyl? Is
1: I don't have a record player my one uh, a beloved now ex person uh got a record player and it was always really really fun listening to stuff there you know and that's one of the many things I miss you know about that relationship but yeah nothing here do you I assume you have one
0: I, I it's actually the thing I just do for my nieces I had one and I gave hand me down to one and then she bought one and then gave the hand me down to the other oh. but I gonna say that might actually really affect which album you like best because mm-hmm. like I was thinking that yeah play, yeah
1: like even with headphones because I didn't listen to midnights with headphones and I was kind of thinking I should have I, I should remedy that and like I say yeah like midnights I think is now a like- contender like you say it was it was relieving in how impressive it actually was
0: it felt so good that she wasn't trying to make it like to meet anyone else's expectations
1: yeah is that a vigilante shit too or she's like i don't dress for girls i don't dress for guys
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah. that's what i'm saying she's a fucking vip or ceo what do people call him now skinny legend
1: I have no idea. You know me. I'm not remotely up on the vernacular.
0: <laughs> See, I catch it like in little drifts, but I think even my nieces are getting too old where they don't know it anymore.
1: I know those gaps are, you know, it's like the the generation
0: gaps are like a
1: blink of an eye these days.
0: Don't you love though that in theory, Taylor Swift is ours if you were to think like generation, but she transcends yeah. it. Gen Z loves her. Gen X loves her. I don't know what Baby Boomer's like, but... (laughs) I bet they like Swift. Like, they're just, like, secretly digging it. (laughs) Whilst also, like, being like, duh, this is annoying music. But secretly being, like, anti-hero. Yeah.
1: Right? And, I mean, to be fair, you and I both had our phases where we thought of her as pretty annoying. Yeah, but it's almost like
0: we were at, or at least I was at, the pretty annoying phase in my life, too. (laughs)
1: yeah I think I'm still in that phase because I'm such an idealist but you know
0: (laughs) like if I were to look back at the moments where I was like god she's so annoying but then like put it like next to like a Facebook album of what I was doing at that time I'd be like (laughs) yeah okay I was right there with her got it
1: And it's true. She is ours. You know, I think she's born... My, I was telling my mom about this podcast, you know, because I'm living at home right now. And they're always so sweet. Anytime I need to do a podcast, they just go in their offices. But she was getting kind of excited about this podcast too. So she was like looking up stuff <laughs> about Taylor Swift on her phone. And she was like, oh, she was born in 1989, which is the same birth year as my sister, you know, who's just three years older than me. So it's like, yeah, she's... She's right there with us, which is again pretty intimidating. It's like, could you slow down a little
0: bit, Taylor, so I don't feel like so much of a failure? Say in the last couple of years now would it be like four albums she's released in two mm-hmm. years? ah, oh, give us a break, Taylor. Right? Like, I feel so prolific because
1: I'm like, ooh, t- two chat books out in the same year and she's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I know. She's
0: like, can I throw you some more? i like, didn't she collect an award <laughs> and then she announced Midnight? It's like, yeah, are you trying much. to kill us, Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> Again,
1: that's what I mean. It's like, she's just such a, a tour de force, you know, and you can you can hate her, but I don't think you can hate her without owning that a lot of that hate arrives from envy and jealousy I'm totally envious of her. I will
0: say like sometimes I will fully admit that sometimes when I think of like oh she's like, like privileged white girl it is jealousy where it's like mm. if I was in that same scenario I would be doing exactly what she was doing Yeah, you know, I was thinking about
1: that, how she, I think she is evidence of someone who at least tries to use their privilege for good, you know, not just for the good of art, but the good of society, you know, and again, I I don't want to make it too much of a binary thing. Obviously, there are awesome male folks and male musicians out there, obviously, but of course, with the Me Too movement, and there was this really recent uh, sexual assault case up here in Canada, which is really, really horrible, involving a pretty big time musician you know, a male musician and it's like there are people who use their privilege to do that, who literally use their privilege to run rampant and destroy people's lives. You mm-hmm. know, and for all of Taylor Swift's faults, she's not doing that. She's just trying to make really good music and expand as a person and a musician. You know, she's doing way more and way better, unfortunately, than lots of people in those positions of privilege ever do.
0: The only critique I have against her And it still holds up a little bit to this day Is that it took her so long To actually announce where her political allegiances were Because she started off as country and everything I think a lot of Republicans felt like she stood with them a little bit
1: Absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons that she kept quiet. Like when you're a country artist and things are starting to change there, like I am a a pretty new fan of country actually. So, you know, I see that things are slowly changing, but much more slowly, honestly, still than anywhere else, you know, in, even just in the music industry. And I think there was kind of that pressured. And plus of course, like we said, like she was a kid, she very well may have been a conservative coming from a Christian, you know, I don't know where she's from, like she somewhere.
0: Came from like money. Her father worked yeah. for like some hedge fund thing, and like I think they're originally from Connecticut or well, yeah, Pennsylvania. I mean, that's,
1: I mean, they could be not Christian, you know, but the likelihood is, in her childhood, she did adopt conservative Christian values, just because that's what her environment was. That's why it's so important. I get what you're saying, you know, about the frustration of it taking so long, but at the same time, a lot of that, I think, is based on her own self-discovery, finding out what she believes, and finding her voice to actually say it.
0: I think it'd be interesting to find out when she finally figured out where she stood politically. Because I feel like, you know, when we think about, like, the leash and everything that, like, she probably was on before, were they preventing her from speaking up? Like, you just have no idea.
1: And I mean, I I don't know about you, but sometimes I just have that own struggle myself, you know, if something happens, you know, like that sexual assault case up here, you know, and it it really enrages me and stuff. But then I always kind of remind myself, especially with where I am now in my career, it's like, yeah, but like, you know, you're a writer, try to only post, you know, literary content. For me, that personally works. For me, I would hope that, of course, You know, if I got to a point where I actually really had social influence and people were actually listening to what I had to say, that's when I would take that privilege really seriously and stand up and say, you know, this isn't okay or I'm behind this person,
0: you know? Like, let's see how many followers she has on Twitter. Oh, my God. It's going to be a lot. (laughs) It's going to be astronomical. Like, I know she doesn't tweet. Well, the first thing I did when I typed in Tay is it showed her album. Okay, we get it. I didn't even finish Taylor Swift yet. Jesus Christ, <laughs> let me finish Taylor Swift.
1: Did you hear that her uh, website
0: crashed after announcing Midnights? You want hear crash 11:02 p.m. is when I was like, "All right, I'm going to listen to it." Spotify crashed. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, she has 91.4 million followers. If she were to tell each follower, and I like how she's following no one. Good for you, Taylor. Show them you're a (laughs) boss. If she were to tell them, like everyone be like, vote for this person. I think she could single handedly sway an election.
1: Yeah, I mean, she did, of course, try. I guess that was back in, uh, it said it on those lyrics when she came out against that Republican who was, like, super Mm anti-gay, you know, well, whatever, I'm not finding the year, but, you know, like, she did do that. It would have uh, been
0: the midterms, yeah, for America.
1: I don't know, like, how into it. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, there it is. You know, and it didn't turn out, you know, to my recollection, probably just because, again, a lot of her fan base is still younger and maybe disinclined to vote or sometimes not even registered to vote. There's, you know, factors beyond her control there, but... And of course the important thing I think is just that she is being true to herself, you know, and trying to do what she says she always wants to do, which is just try to do the right thing and try to stand up for what's right. You know, again, I'm such an idealist to the point where I really do believe that intention matters more than results.
0: Definitely. I totally agree with that. All right. I think we have blabbed about Taylor Swift in such a really great way, like where it wasn't just like, oh my God, she's so amazing. Like, I think we had a good conversation.
1: I hope so. I hope my recording went through. I should have mentioned this earlier, but on my side, it just says ready on my mic, but I'm sure it's, it's all good on your end.
0: It seems to be going up on my end.
1: Sweet. I was just so, I feel like we were both just really excited to talk about this, especially because it was so spontaneous that like, we didn't even do the usual, like, okay, what are we talking about? Let's do it. We just like dove right into it. <laughs> and
0: I'm keeping all of this in
1: please do. I think it was, which is always cute. Cause I think there was a little section where I was like, you can delete this if you want, but I love it in a way when those moments stay in. Cause it's just so much more real, you know? Exactly.
0: Cause it's one of those, yeah. why the fuck would I delete it? It's great.
1: <laughs> We're pulling yeah, a Taylor as- Swift
0: flex. Okay. No. you. <laughs>
1: do it I love it and again I think yeah that's I think our summarizing point you know whether you think of her as a you know a boss a witch a leader or just yeah someone who is still a kind of vestige of privileges that should still be dismantled like no matter how you approach her you have to appreciate that she is a force and she is an influence and she is an icon you know and ultimately those are neutral positions you can love her or hate her but she's fucking doing it
0: Fuck yeah yeah well taylor we wish that you're part of our coven
1: mm-hmm. we'll send out the invites by way of crow or bat whichever is your preference
0: you know what she actually already has a cat so maybe she secretly is in a coven
1: okay good so we could just do you know like the cross cat cultural communication
0: yes i network. think we all know that they actually yeah. like telepathically communicate with mm-hmm. each other mm
1: absolutely just like
0: treats (laughs) (laughs) all right this is really fun
1: yeah this is great thanks so much for inviting me it was just a blast thanks so much for
0: actually wanting to be on it
1: (laughs) yeah of course it like and don't get wrong it did surprise me where I was like oh cool Mallory smarts into this okay that's awesome you know
0: like Yeah, I was tweeting that on the way to Starbucks to get coffee. (laughs) I was like, can I be any more of a white girl? (laughs) I'll
1: get you one of those uh, cute coffee containers that say basic witch on it. Oh my God,
0: that'd be so great. That's me. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, thanks so much. Take care. All right. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Midnights by Taylor Swift. If you have not listened to the album yet, you are very much missing out. Listen to it. Let me know if anti is your favorite song. It definitely is mine. I had a really great time, shockingly, doing this episode. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter at PodHealing and take a look at our website, textualpodcast.com. If you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Check out past episodes and keep a lookout for new ones to come every other Saturday. And also keep an eye out for our new segment, Off the Record, where we have authors read a portion of some of their favorite writing and pair it with a song that they feel fits best to the vibe. This is Mallory Smart. Thanks for listening to the show.